Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the show. I hope everyone has a safe weekend. The weather is supposed to be really great. So whatever you do, do it with love, do it with kindness, but be safe. Explanation, my guest this hour is Alan Wright, and uh, he's the author of Paranormal Books. He has authored four books. He is an empath, a sensitive healer, and a passive medium. He went to see his grandfather, who had died in 1982, and he went to see him in 1983, but as an astral projection. He has healed people and animals, uh, and he and his wife live in a haunted house. In fact, I believe that you, Alan, have lived in two haunted houses. First of all, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you, Rob. Uh, tell me about the haunted houses that you live in, or lived in. Uh, well... We lived in uh, Phoenix, Arizona when we first got married, mm-hmm. and the house that we had there, uh, we didn't know it was haunted, you know. When we first moved in, we uh, uh, we just, you know, started decorating it and doing our thing with the house. Mm-hmm. But my wife, uh, she is also an empath and a sensitive and, and uh, a passive medium also. Uh, she started seeing uh, shadows in the hallway at night. And uh, I didn't see him, so, you know, I, I wasn't too bothered by it. I thought maybe she was just seeing things or something. And uh, <laughs> but they, anyway, I started seeing them also. They, they were shadow people, and they were going um, back and forth between the hallway and going into the walls of the ha- hallway. So this kind of brightness. But 
at the same time, they weren't really bothering us, and <laughs> we could put up a curtain or something and not see them at night. But, let, uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you before we go further. What is a passive medium? A passive medium is a medium who uh, cannot call up the spirits of the dead, uh, but the dead can come to him, and if they, they want to say something mm-hmm. to somebody uh, that, say, I'm talking to or that I'm by or I know, they will make themselves known unto me and what they want to be said. Most of the time, it comes to me, it could come to me in feelings, mm-hmm. or it also comes to me as pictures in my mind. Uh, this happened to me on a radio show, as a matter of fact. I interrupted the inter- uh, radio show in the middle of the broadcast and told the whole host that his uh, twin brother wanted me to tell him something, and that was that uh, he was with him at that moment and that he was with him all the time. And I told him that he was also in one of his dreams and uh, the spirit kind of nudged me and said, no, more. I said, well, he probably was in a couple of your dreams. And he nudged me again and said, more. Oh, my gosh. And I, and I said, he was in several of your dreams. And the host went quiet for a while. And then he says, that's right. He's been in a lot of my dreams. And I said, well, he's with you tonight. And he wants me to let you know that uh, he's with you all the time. And that he, he told me to tell you that when you're, it's your turn to pass, he will be there waiting for you. So this, uh, there was a silence on the radio program that night. I and, would imagine so. And you can uh, tell <laughs> when there's dead silence for about a minute, you know, that's, a, that's almost a catastrophe on a radio show. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, the uh, the other host, mm-hmm. co-host, said that I was right on because he had been uh, worried about where his bro- brother was. He wanted to know if he was in a good place, and uh, he was, you know, uh, upset because his brother had passed. And uh, so anyway, his brother came to me on the radio show that night. That doesn't happen too often. You know, but uh, uh, you never know when some one of these spirits is going to come to me. What's it like I'm when surrounded with spirits all the time? Really? How do you and, how do you get used to having all these spirits around you? Well, it, I'm used to it. I I was born into this almost uh, as a little kid. You know, I, I had an apparition before before I even uh, was school age. Uh, um, my mother, my grandmother, mm-hmm. my great grandmother were uh, they they were sensitives and they were able to uh, have dreams and stuff about the family and about problems that maybe the family would have or deaths. And uh, I remember my grandparents and my uh, mother, especially, uh, telling stories uh, about you know things that happened in the family uh, before. They forecast it before it even happened, 
And uh, so I was around this quite a bit. But when I became of school age, I noticed that uh, the other kids didn't really, <laughs> they thought I was kind of weird when I started talking about things like that. To me, it was normal. To them, it wasn't. So I had to stop thinking about those things and talking about those things to other people. I, and I kept it to myself. Uh, even some of my family members didn't even know about this. But uh, as I got older and I graduated from high school and everything, mm -hmm. uh, in my um, <laughs> social life, I should say, well, actually, my business career, I was in management and retail, and uh, I could not actually tell anybody about that, those things then either. It could have jeopardized my uh, position that I had then. So I kind of kept this quiet, but now I'm, I'm 69 years old. I'm retired, uh, and uh, I'm on the backside of my life now, and I really don't care what people think about it, uh, <laughs> what I say, uh, what I say, yeah. and what I wrote in my books uh, is true. Every word of it is true. And uh, so, anyway, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. There. So what is it like when you and the missus are out shopping? You know, you're both passive mediums, and uh, you, let's say you're at uh, the grocery store, and you just happen to be picking out your favorite vegetables, and a spirit wants you to give the message to the lady who's beside you. How does that work? Well, most generally, I do. <laughs> I try. I try not to frighten them. I, I try to uh, make them feel comfortable mm -hmm. when I do it. I uh, I don't want them to think that I'm some kind of creeper or something, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, it doesn't happen too often, like I said. Um, but when it does, uh, I know it, and it's kind of hard to hide it and uh, to keep it within you, you know. Uh, when it happens, you almost have to let it out and tell somebody about it. Um, it it's, I compared to a basketball game. I I got the ball, and and it seems like the strongest spirits make it to me where they can uh, take the shot and make it or whatever. Uh, but they uh, they are the ones that can tell me what they want done. Uh, the other spirits is there. I don't know why. I, I've got a chapter chapter in one of my books, uh, Ghost Magnets. Mm -hmm. And people that's sensitive or clairvoyant, uh, passing mediums, uh, they have spirits around them because uh, spirits know when you're sensitive to them. How do they know that? How do they know that you, Alan Wright, are a sensitive and that they can use you to communicate with someone else? Well, like I said, I, I was born this way, way like uh, Lady Gaga said. Uh, they they just know. I've been this way since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also do healings, too. And they know that. Um, uh, I used to live in a house in rural uh, northern Phoenix. It was a rural area. And it seemed like the animals also knew that... Uh, uh, I was an empath. Uh, I, I would take on all the strays that came to the house. Mm -hmm. I often felt that people were dropping them off in the front of our house, but that's not the case. Animals also know uh, when they have a friend, you know, and they would come and 
uh, I would take them in and, and do whatever I had to do to uh, help them out. Uh, that's just the way I am. Uh, that's the way my wife is too. We have three dogs right now. Wow! But at one time we have uh, we had six dogs, and uh, uh, when I lived in that rural area, I woke up one morning and there was two horses out in the driveway. All right, we've got to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Explanation. Alan Wright is our special guest at this hour. www.alanwright dot com is the website and we'll both be back on the other side as we continue here in the x-zone from our broadcast center and studios in hamilton ontario canada don't go away And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. My special guest this hour is Alan Wright, and his website is alanwright.com. Tell me about a couple of the books you've written about, Alan. Uh, well, my first book, you know, I got a little story about that one, too. Oh, sure. Let's hear it. Well, when I got married, of course, I told my wife about all my paranormal experiences and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said I should write a book, and, well, I, I'd never done anything like that before, and I really didn't know how to go about and do it, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, I went to bed one night, and I had 250 uh, uh, Facebook friends, and when I woke up in the morning, I had 5,000. Uh, how do you explain something like that? <laughs> I... And I really didn't know what to do about it. I didn't want to, you know, delete my account or anything mm -hmm. because the 250 friends I had were pretty close friends. Right. And so I thought, well, I, I'll just go ahead and grin and bear it, and uh, it will work itself out. <laughs> anyway, of those 5,000 friends I had, most of them, uh, the majority of them were in paranormal uh, there was mediums and there was uh, ghost investigators, uh, uh, all these types of people. And I was making friends with some of them because uh, I was talking shop with them pretty much. Sure, basically, yeah. And uh, anyway, I was reading a, a post that this one uh, lady made, and, and then I read one of the comments, and the comment was uh, made by... Uh, her name was Annette Muchix. Anyway, she's the owner of Stellium Books, and she's also a publisher. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, after a couple of days, I gathered up enough uh, uh, <laughs> courage to uh, get a hold of her, send her a message. And I asked her if she, she took on new uh, authors, and she said that she did. And she told me to send her a copy uh, chapter of my book, and uh, she would let me know if she would take me on or not. Anyway, I sent her the first chapter of my first book, uh, Through through the Veil and Back. Mm -hmm. And she sent me back and said she would love to be my publisher also. 
So that's how it got started. And uh, uh, then I wrote the second book, which is um, at, in, uh, at the Edge of Infinity. And, uh, uh, and then my third book is uh, uh, Roads Less Traveled. And that's definitely, I, I have traveled roads less traveled. And then my fourth book is My Destination for the Truth. My wife keeps telling me if I have another book in me, and <laughs> I seem to have one. I'm writing the, my fifth book right now. So tell but, me, what are the books about? Uh, they're all about uh, my uh, abilities, uh, about uh, uh, passing medium stuff. Uh, I told you that one mm-hmm. that I had. I also had uh, some other ones also. So, so it sounds like uh, these books are more or less an autobiography of your well, life. Well, it is, and it's four books long so far. <laughs> so what do you hope readers will get out of reading your books? Well, the paranormal's r- real, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you can't see it, uh, just because you don't want to deal with it or anything, um, there are spirits. A lot of people call them ghosts. I, I like to call them spirits because at one time they had a physical body just like us. And mm-hmm. maybe pretty soon, you know, some of us are going to be ghosts or in spirit form. So I try to get that message across that uh, paranormal is there. And no matter what we do, it's always going to be there, you know. And there's people that's born that's sensitive to those things. Um, just like I'm a healer. Uh, a shaman's been around since the beginning of time, you know. Right. And uh, they've been around before hospitals and doctors and nurses and all that stuff. And, and they did their job, you know. And in fact, there are um, shamans still this very day doing their jobs. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And, let me ask you about your book. Uh, let me see, where was it? Uh, Through the Veil and Back. What was it about? Well, it was basically a sample of my other books that I wrote. If you buy the uh, Through the Veil and Back, uh, you would get a sample of you know the, the other things that I wrote about in my in my other books. Now you see, I, I, about, I see the I saw the title Through the Veil and Back. Uh, I I thought it was about a near death experience that you might have had. Well, you know, in 1982, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences were just becoming uh, common usage, I guess, Mm -hmm. in the media. And uh, uh, I thought at the time maybe that's what I had. I I, I thought it was a dream also, but it wasn't a dream, and it wasn't an out-of-body experience, and it wasn't near-death. I wasn't near-death at the time. And the only thing it could have been was an astral uh, a projection. And that's what I found out about uh, two or three years ago when I was reading about it or heard it on the TV. I don't know. But uh, it was closer to what I had. And that's when I went and saw my grandfather after he died. And I, he, he was in a very good place. Um, it, it was a place that I would call paradise. Mm-hmm. It's not heaven because when I was there, I uh, they they told me things, and one of the things that they told me is where they were at then was it's a temporary place, 
And as they get ready or as they prepare themselves, they can move on to the next level. I found that heaven's got levels to it. Mm-hmm. I also found out that hell has levels to it. So uh, if I was also told it's based on pretty much on what you did in your life. This life is like a test. Uh, if you treated people well, you, you loved your neighbor, uh, you treated your family well, you know, if you did the things that you very could very at the best of your ability, uh, then probably you will go to one of those good places, uh, one of those good levels of heaven. Um, also, if you've been pretty bad, if you murdered, robbed, raped, whatever, you might find yourself in what in one of those different levels that I call hell, but I don't, you know, that's just what I use for it because it, it was hell when I went there. Um, why, how did uh, you get there? Why did you go there? Well, <laughs> I didn't know that at first why I went there. I went to bed one night and I, all of a sudden I was in this place and it was dark, very dark. And in the air, you could actually feel it. There was dread, uh, fear, hatred, uh, all the negative emotions that you want to have. It was in this place, and they were magnified. They were very strong. And it was a dark place. I could barely uh, feel in front of my, or see my hands in front of my face. Mm. But I did see shadows of buildings off to the right and off to the left. And they looked like apartment buildings, but uh, there was no lights on in them or anything. They looked vacant. And all of a sudden, I, I noticed from around this one building, a spirit was motioning for me to come over. And so I started walking over to him. And I was kind of fearful because I, I felt a presence behind me. And I kind of glanced behind me. And there was about three or four uh, shadow people behind mm-hmm. me. And I didn't know what what their plans were for me. But I kept walking along until I got over to, uh, closer to him, but I stayed on the path, and he wanted me to come closer yet. And I told him no. I said, what do you want? And he said that from what I gathered, he had murdered somebody in this life that he had, and uh, and he was afraid that where he was at now, this guy was at too, that he had murdered and uh, he he was wanting to know if I could help him out, I guess. And I basically told him that there was no way I could help him out because once you're in a place like that, no shaman's going to help you. <laughs> you're pretty much where you're going to be at. So, so um, do you also consider yourself to be a shaman? Well, I'm a healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could possibly consider myself a, a okay. shaman, but... I was just using that term. That, oh, I see. You know, uh, not, nobody was going to help him out. Maybe a witch. I, I don't know. I don't want to make any offense here. But uh, um, anyway, uh, he, he was the husband of a lady that I used to go to their house, and I would, um, she would get headaches. Uh, she had some kind of mental problem that gave her headaches, and they were almost as bad as um, what what you might call them, the real bad headaches. A migraine. Anyway, I, yeah, I would place my hands upon her and and give her a blessing. And uh, these headaches would 
normally go away or sometimes mm-hmm. be lesser than what they were before I went there. And she would call me out maybe once or twice every two weeks or so. And uh, he didn't like me. He thought I was a crackpot. And he would go off into the bedroom or into the uh, kitchen or something. He wouldn't speak to me at all while I was there, even when he let me in the door. But I think I thought now when he called me to in this place where he was at, I think he thought that since I helped his wife uh, those years, I mean, I spent a couple of years with doing that to her, for her, that possibly I could help him. Alan, you he and I have got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation. Alan Wright is our special guest. www.alanwright.com. And we'll both be back on the other side as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Well, in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, for now, anyway. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Alan Wright is my guest this hour. His website is www.alanwright.com. That's A-L-A-N-W-R-I-G-H-T dot com. And we're speaking to Alan from Utah tonight. And Alan, before we went to the break, you were telling us about this lady that you used to go over to her house. Her husband used to let you in, and but he really had no no use for what you were doing. He didn't believe in what you were doing. And, you know, you were kind of helping his wife out. And yet you met him on the other side. And apparently, from what I understand, he was asking you for your help. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I told him that I could not help help him at all. Yeah. At, at this time, that's when the projection stopped. And I got up and I, it was early in the morning when I awoke. Uh, the feeling that I had when I came back from this place mm-hmm. was the feeling that I had while I was there. I carried some of those emotions with me. I had uh, anger. I had uh, um, dread, and uh, I was in a depression. And this uh, carried over with me for about uh, two weeks. Oh gosh! I had I had to cleanse myself a couple times. Uh, but I finally got rid of it. Uh, but my wife uh, took the brunt of this because I would snap at her sometimes. And uh, I just got angry at people. And it was uh, the kind of anger that I didn't really have in my old age. I had it back when I was young, but not, not now. And um, so anyway, I, I was able to get it over with. But it, it's an experience that I wouldn't want to do again. You know, even... When I talk about it to to you, like right, my wife if she if she's in the room with me, she'll have to get up and leave because yeah, she gets almost physically sick when I talk about this, and that's because she is a sensitive, and she can almost see what I went through when I was there, and she knows what I brought back with me, and she's almost physically sick. In fact, one time she was. She had to go in the bathroom. And uh, anyway, it's really a bad place. You wouldn't want to go there. 
but there again, uh, I was told it's a it's a temporary place. And the people that's there probably will feel like they've been there forever, but it's not. They can improve upon themselves. Um, I don't know how they can do this, mm-hmm. but if they improve upon themselves, they can start moving up that ladder and start going to a you know place that's a little bit better than the one before. And uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, on my grandfather's side now, when I came back from his, I felt like I had seen God, like I had stood before God. I felt like I had a glow about me. Uh, I had all those good emotions that I had when I went into the light. Um, the light, by the way, that was projected from this being that I saw in this projection was uh, love and uh, mercy and uh, you name it, all, all the good ones except it was a, um, a tangible thing. It, it, you felt like you could reach out and hold on to it, and it went straight through my body, and it was something that I did not want to leave. It was something that I wanted to stay in that light forever. And this is the same light that these people, they have near-death experiences, and, you know, uh, that's the light that they see at the end of the tunnel. And I had pretty much the same experience, except mine mine was different in that. I don't know how long I stayed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I woke up the next morning, I had a, um, uh, I had a, my grandfather and I walked along the path just before I left, and he was telling me things, but I don't know what he was telling me. And when I came back and I, uh, woke up from this, I uh, had a feeling that he told me maybe I had to better my life, had to make better choices or whatever. But at the t- same time, I felt like he told me some other things. But I didn't know what those things were. But, you know, as I get older, my abilities are getting stronger. And as I got older, also, a little bits and pieces of this uh projection that I went on also comes into play where I I have a, a knowledge of what they, they they told me when I was there and like the different levels of heaven and hell. Well, and well wait a sec. Who, who are the they you're talking about? What's that? Who are the they that you keep referring to? <laughs> okay. Well, the they that, that I'm talking about is actually my relatives and my my well and close friends okay. and my grandfather uh when I, I almost have to tell you the whole thing but i went into the light and when i i came to i passed out and when i came to i was in a, a metal and i was in deep grass and i didn't know where i was at but i was out in this place that was beautiful it it was um everything was perfect in it but it looked like the earth it had green grass trees i heard birds and uh, everything and there was water in the background like a brook or a stream and but when I stood up in this grass grassy field I was in the middle of a circle of people and as I looked around I realized that that everybody in that circle I knew as my uh, ancestors or or uh, my family members and close friends who had passed on before me and these are the people that I'm talking about when I say they oh, gotcha. and my grandfather also. What was it like when you saw your grandfather? Uh, well, 
my uh, attention was mainly to him and for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he expressed his love for me. I expressed my love for him. But this was done telepathically. <laughs> and he, he did it. It was uh, like a, uh, a voice right in my head. Uh, I felt like I could talk, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to. And I did the same. I had the ability to do it, and I don't know how I got that ability, but I was able to tell him, you know, everything that I wanted to tell him telepathically. And it was great seeing him. He he, he looked like he did when he was living, you know. Um, they say that when you go to heaven that you, you're you going to be in your youth or, you, you know, when, when you were at your healthiest right. state, I guess, or whatever. But I, I don't know if that's true or not. I I think probably um, you're at the age that you want to be, you know, <laughs> when you're there. Uh, there's no time for them. So age is just a relative term. I mean, uh, they don't consider time. There's no time, no clocks, no watches, none of that. Uh, so... When I say I, I went to bed at night and woke mm-hmm. up in the morning and found out all this knowledge, that is not true. I have found out over the years I had to be there longer than just six or seven hours. Uh, I don't know whether I was there a week, a month. I could have been there a year. I don't know. When well, there's no time for them, uh, it's different. Than but there is, t- there is time for you, and if you're saying you were there maybe a week, a year, where, didn't anybody miss you on this side of the veil? Well, that's what I'm saying. They could bring me back to the same time where I left. Oh, I see. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask, uh, let me ask you they, let, let me ask you this. Uh, how do you know it just wasn't a dream? Well, mainly because of, of the things that uh, that I was told. And the things that happened, it, it just was not a dream. Uh, uh, this was a, if it was a dream, it was a life-changing dream for mm-hmm. me. Uh, it was something that I have carried for my uh, rest of my life now. Right. And I, I can tell you things about it like it just happened yesterday. Uh, a lot of times I can have a dream and I don't even know what it was the next morning, you know. I used to tell people that I don't dream, you know. But this dream and the one where I went to hell, if it was a dream, it's something that, uh, I don't know, was placed there uh, by somebody other than <laughs> my psyche, you know? <laughs> so what does, the, what, do, what does the rest of your family say about your the work that you do now? You're a paranormal author, you're a healer, you're a passive medium. What do they say about that? Well, I'm very... Uh, I'm estranged from my family, really. Oh, I'm sorry to hear um, that. When I moved from Arizona to Utah here, mm-hmm. uh, some of them knew that I uh, did healings and stuff because I told them. Yeah. And uh, I also told some of them about, you know, when I went and saw my grandfather. Um, but that was years ago. And uh, But I, I didn't write books then. I didn't have the experiences that I'm having now. I mean, uh, the passive medium things I did not tell them about. And uh, uh, my sister, my one sister now, she knows totally about it. And uh, I'm close to her. And every time I get a book uh, published, I 
I sent her uh, a copy of the book, and uh, uh, she's very much supportive of this and everything. So uh, that's oh. all I can say about that. Okay, Alan, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. And Nation, our guest this hour is Mr. Alan Wright. His website is alanwright.com. That's A-L-A-N-W-R-I-G-H-T. And Alan and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. That's alanwright.com. This is the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeart Radio, as well as on Simultv, www.simultv.com. And once again, I'd like to say hello to all our friends listening to us on AM. 1600 K-O-H-I in the beautiful state of Oregon. I'm Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Alan Wright is my special guest this hour, www.alanwright.com. That's A-L-A-N-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. Alan, I understand that you have also cast evil entities out of homes. How do you do that? Uh, (laughs) Very carefully. I would imagine so. (laughs) Well, uh I know one story I want to tell you is I, I went on a vacation, like over to California to see a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she lives in a uh, uh, house that was built probably in the 20s or 30s. And it was wood frame, two story. Anyway, when we went in the house, she wanted to know if we wanted to have a uh, tour of the house, you know. And I said, sure. So she took us around, showed us the different rooms and stuff. And then we went upstairs. And when we got upstairs, uh, there was two bedrooms off to the left mm-hmm. and a bathroom straight ahead of us. And the one bedroom off to the left at the end of the hallway um, was sending out bad vibes for me. I, I can feel them and I can sense them. Now, the one bedroom I didn't have any problem going into, but the next bedroom I stayed outside and I kind of glanced in there. Uh, I knew there was something in there that I did not want to go in. Uh, anyway, we went downstairs and about this time she had two daughters that came in. They were about 20 years old or so. And she was telling them what, you know, what we'd been talking about mm-hmm. and everything. And the daughter said, Oh, did you tell them about, about our ghost? And the minute they said that, then I knew what was going on. Uh, According to the two daughters, that maybe two or three times a week, they would hear a baby crying in the house. And I told them, I said, it's coming from that bedroom upstairs, isn't it? And they said, yes, it is. And I asked uh, their their mother there, my friend, I said, uh, do you want me to see if I can do something about it? And uh, uh, she said, yes, I, I would appreciate it. So I went up there. And I basically commanded it in the name of Jesus Christ and, uh, and God, or, you know, our creator, to leave the house. 
and I did this in such a manner that I, you know, I commanded it several times. Mm-hmm. And I also blessed the house that the spirits, whatever spirits might be in there, would be uh, would leave. And uh, the minute I did that, you could feel a um, definite uh, uh, good atmosphere in the house. Uh, it was more relaxed. Uh, but anyway, af- after our visit, we went back home and a couple months later uh i called her and i asked her if she uh, was still having problems with the the goals or with the baby crying and she told me she said no whatever you did you got rid of it and uh, as far as i know it's still out of the house uh where i cast it to i didn't care really as long as it was on the outside of the house but uh uh, yeah, I, I have done that. I've also just blessed houses to maybe keep the uh, unwanted guest out, you know. Um, I've also blessed them. Just just somebody might think that there's a, a spirit in there that's not mm-hmm. good. I, I also do that that way. So, now, when it comes to demons yeah. and stuff like that, I'm going to leave it to the very good professionals because I'm not. Um, I know the ghost investigators and stuff like that, they can come home with uh, attachments and stuff like that. And I, um, I had to deal with an attachment once from writing my book, believe it or not. I was writing my book and next thing I know, I, I got it through, through my, I guess my telephone. I, I got an attachment. What did you get? And I had that for about a week or so too. Well, when you, when you say an attachment, what kind of attachment? I don't know. It was it was a bad one. I know that it was it, it was draining my energy. It was draining my energy. It was giving me bad thoughts all the time. Um, it was something that I never had before, and it was almost like some of the feelings that I, that I got when I was in hell there. Hmm. And there again, I had. I had to basically cleanse myself and get rid of it. And I did. I used sage at that time and olive oil. And uh, I saged myself and uh, used olive oil on myself. Gave myself a blessing. <laughs> but uh, I, I was able to get rid of it also then. So, t- so tell me, Alan, how do you deal with skepticism when you tell your stories, you meet people in public, and... And they kind of don't believe you. How do you deal with that? Well, like I said, if they don't believe me, that's their choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their free will. They, you know, I'm not forcing it down yeah. their throats. How? Uh, I'm, I'm not like a <laughs> a preacher or anything. You know, <laughs> they can read about me in my books. Uh, it's all true. Mm-hmm. I. I don't do public speakings other than on the radio. That's the only time you'll probably hear my voice. But uh, uh, if if they don't believe me, all they have to do is just don't believe me. Turn off the radio or don't buy my books. <laughs> but it's all true, and I went through all of them. And and I'm I'm not mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> I I uh, like I said, I was born this way. I've had these abilities. Some people call them gifts. Uh, Well, they're gifts at times when I can heal somebody and bring them back from the brink of death. 
but at times when I try to give somebody a blessing and they die anyway, uh, then it's not a blessing. It's kind of like a curse, but I call it an ability. And uh, well, well, wait uh, a second. Hold on here. Hold on here. You bless somebody and they die anyway. Well, yeah, I, I found out in, in, in my lifetime when I mm-hmm. give blessings to people and right. stuff that only about 50% of them take, and I don't know why. I, I, I come to the uh, belief that maybe it was their time to die, you know, um, or maybe it, it was their time to go through something that they had to go through in order to um, move on and move on to their next life. Right, okay. I also found out the same thing with animals. I can bless animals in there again. Only about 50% of them take. You, you, were, tell- and, you were telling us earlier that one morning you woke up and there were two horses in, in your yard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was. <laughs> so whatever happened uh, they, to the two horses? Well, uh I was wondering what to do with them myself. Yeah. I was about ready to call animal control or something, you know. Right. Uh, but uh, what happened was about a couple hours later, uh, the owner of the horses was driving around the, the roads there and was looking for his horses. And uh, he saw them out there in my driveway, so he pulled on in, and and uh, he said, those horses are mine. They, they escaped their corral last night. Oh, my night. gosh. So, <laughs> anyway. That's where they went. So wh- when you when you heal people, what is the most perplexing healing that you've ever done? Well, uh, this one uh, uh, lady, uh, she called my wife one morning and said that her daughter was in an automobile accident, mm-hmm. and she was in the hospital on life support. And she what she heard that I give blessings and that I could do healings, and she wanted to know if I would be willing to go to the hospital and give her uh, daughter a blessing. Apparently her daughter and her boyfriend was at a bar um, and they were pretty well drunk. And anyway, they got in a fight and she went out into the parking lot and jumped into his Jeep, which which didn't have any sides or roof on it. And uh, he came out and decided he was going to drive. And he was driving real fast on a curvy, windy, dippy road. And he went down this dip and came up, and there was a sharp curve to the right, and he couldn't make it. And the Jeep rolled, and it threw her out, and she hit her head. And uh, anyway, uh, she wanted to know if I'd give her a blessing, and I told her that I would. So I got a, my friend and I, we went down to the hospital. We went to into ICU. The nurses let us in when I told them the family wanted me to give them, uh, their daughter a blessing. Right. So I went in, and uh, I never seen anything like that before in my life. She had tubes and wires and everything hooked up to her, and uh, there was machines all around her. She wasn't laying flat in the bed. It looked like she was like in a armchair or something, mm-hmm. except the arms were extended where her arms were extended from her body. Right. And uh, the legs of this uh, thing uh, had her legs spread also. She looked like she was about ready to fly or something. All right, we're going to have to speed this story up because I've got about 30 seconds left. Okay, well, I gave her a blessing. I uh, told her, you know, I gave her a blessing. And anyway, uh, to this day, she's she's, uh, married and got three or four kids that I know of, and they've moved to California. So, yeah, it does work. 
there's power out there. Alan, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Congratulations, and keep the good work up. And ExoNation, if you'd like to find out more about Alan, if you'd like to get a copy of his books, they're available at his website at www.alanwright.com. That's A-L-A-N-W-R-I-G-H-T dot com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell, and to find out all about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. <laughs> 